We're in a series called Passion. Passion. Janet got us started last week talking about what passion is, what causes us to, to lose our passion, and what we can do to, to get that passion back. This week we're going to go in a different direction, and I want us to, to get straight into it. You should go from here with one image. One image. The image is an iceberg. An iceberg. Say iceberg back to me. Iceberg. Good. See, that's participation again. Iceberg. It covers all of the, the talk, and you should go from here with one phrase. The phrase is, Christ-centered passion runs deep. You could say that back to me as well. It's got quite a few words in it. Let me do it. Christ-centered passion runs deep. We'll work on it later. Again, it covers all of the talk. An image and a phrase. And here we go. The two flip charts. Two icebergs. Icebergs. And this one here, this one here is... Is me. And this one here... You always worry when you're doing this that you're going to have a sudden spelling block and not be able to spell something as simple as Peter. But there we go. Me and Peter. You're probably aware, you probably already know this about an iceberg that's only, say, one-tenth. One-tenth of the ice is above the water. But nine-tenths here, nine-tenths is below the surface. It's where you cannot see it. And maybe you're wondering why an iceberg, why is that so important here? I'll explain. Going back a, a number of months, Paul Reed, a, a church leader who is out in Ireland, and you may know, you may have heard me speak, he was over here visiting and he had this image for me. It hasn't happened often, maybe three times in, in my life. I've been in a place where someone has said, this, this is yours the image was of an iceberg, and he said, this is like you. Not frozen, isolated, and regularly sinking ships, but, but having, having, a depth, having a depth with more below the surface than above. And that image of the iceberg, it isn't unique to me. It covers all of us. There is so much more under the surface in all of us. There is so much more depth that we don't see. And the challenge, and there's always a, a challenge to the prophetic word of God, was that I needed to start to roll, start to roll to get more of what was underneath, more of that depth to a place where people could see it. Which has probably always been my problem. I think I'm more of a monk than a, a minister, more of, a, more of an introvert than an extrovert. And even that, even that says something about passion. See, some people, they, they wear their emotion, they wear their passion on their sleeve. It's out there for all to see. They're feeling high, they're, they're feeling low, and everyone knows about it, everyone hears about it. For others, their passion is not so obvious, but it's there. And it's a quiet, it's a, a resounding inner passion that's strong and, and consistent, and both of these are valid. So here we have it, two Icebergs. The first is me and the second is Peter. Let me introduce Peter. 
as we hear about him in the Gospels, in the, in the Bible. And we need to know with the names that Peter is sometimes called Simon. They are the same person. Peter was a, a fisherman, a, a rugged individual that, that always spoke his mind. And Peter was out fishing on the, on the Sea of Galilee when this rabbi, this Jewish teacher, called out to him from the beach and said, Come, come, follow me. Those were the, the first words. And Peter, he made it. He made that decision. And at once, Peter and his brother Andrew, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Three years later, after having walked with Jesus, after the events, the, the miracles, the, the chaos of those times, Peter was back on the beach with that same rabbi. And Jesus repeated those words, follow me for the last time. Peter's life, Peter's earthly time with Jesus was framed with those words. The most powerful, I think, the most powerful three words in the Bible, the most powerful three words ever, come follow me. And isn't that right? Isn't that right for us? When we became followers, when we raised our hands and, and gave ourselves and, and said, Jesus, I want you to, to come into my heart. It wasn't about following religion. It wasn't about following laws. It was about following Jesus, the God-man who caught up with us and rocked our world. In the book, Dangerous Wonder, Michael Iaconelli, he writes this, he says, Christianity is this wild religion that has always been more concerned about following Jesus than following the rules of Jesus. And that's provocative. The whole book is, it makes you think, and we need that. We need that holy kick every so often. And if you haven't got your copy, then I encourage you, order it, get it. It will challenge and energize you, it will inspire you in your faith. And what carried Peter? What carried Peter? What caused him to, to make that instant decision? What finally demanded Peter's life from him? I think it was his passion. Out of all the, the characters in the, in the Bible, Peter and passion seem connected. They seem interchangeable. Peter, the, the fisherman, the disciple, the, the loudmouth, the, the faith-filled, the, the faithless. Peter, the rock, the, the stumbling block, the broken, the, the restored. Peter, the spokesperson, the leader, the thinker, the writer, the martyr. Peter's life is a life lived with passion. But, but, and this is where I'm going with this. When Peter started out, for me, his passion was shallow. It was thin. It was, it was all talk. It wasn't secure. It had no weight, no depth to it. And that shallow passion could be seen. It could be seen as the, the cultural view, the, the Western view, where cash, passion, passion can be shallow. It can be thin. It can be soulless and selfish and often sexual and disposable. You can turn it on, you can turn it off, you can fake it. It's passion without character. It's non-stick, Teflon passion. But when Peter, when Peter finished up, his passion was deep. It was thick, it was heavy, it was Christ-centered passion. And there were moments... Moments, call them iceberg moments through Peter's life 
when that happened. And it's recorded for us, those encounters, those experiences that took him deeper. And that's the same. It's the same for us. We have iceberg moments, moments in our lives when we gain new understanding. When we face a a situation and we know that we've heard God in it, he's challenged us and we've deepened as a result. That's where this comes in. This is me, my iceberg moments, my encounters, my experiences. So there's, there's two points of connection for us. It may be some of Peter's life, some of Peter's iceberg moments that you connect with. Or it may be, it may be my life, my iceberg moments. It may be both. And I'm thinking that if I throw enough of these iceberg moments at you, and they are just the headlines here, then it's going to connect with you somewhere. So it all got off. It all got off to an exciting start for Peter. He was on the water fishing when when Jesus called him. And then later on, he's back on the water for an incredible encounter. It comes in Matthew 14 and it's night time. It's dark. The disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee. They'd left Jesus back on the shore to pray. Or so they thought. Suddenly this figure appears walking on the water towards them and the disciples reacted. It must be a ghost. They, they cried out in, in fear. But Jesus called to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Still not sure. Peter spoke up. He shouted back, Lord, if it's you, tell me to, to come to you on the water. That was his passion speaking. And Jesus responded. He said, come, come. Getting down out of the boat, Peter stepped out and he did it. He did it. He actually did it. He walked on the water. You can imagine the the surge of faith, the the belief in the the miraculous. But it was short-lived. The wind and the waves unnerved him. Afraid, sinking. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out and, and caught him and said, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And that was a line. That was a, an iceberg moment for Peter. A moment that took him deeper. Making a decision to get out of the boat, to take Jesus at his word and, and risk himself walking on the water. Sure, Peter, he went under, but he did something. He learnt something that the other disciples, they missed out. And Peter was always prepared to to fail his way to success. Later in Matthew 16, Jesus and the disciples, they are back on dry ground. Jesus is questioning them, asking them who they thought he was. Again, it's Peter that that speaks out. He said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the, the living God. And Jesus replied to Peter, He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Makes you wonder, makes you wonder, doesn't it, what Jesus saw in Peter to call him the rock. Impulsive. Headstrong, loud-mouthed, he didn't act like the rock. But Jesus was looking at Peter from the future. 
He was looking at Peter after three years of teaching. He was looking at Peter after the Holy Spirit had been sent. He was looking at Peter from the end of the book of Acts when the church, the, the hope of the world, would rest on that rock. And this was another line. A deeper work. Naming and, and calling that out of Peter. See, time doesn't restrain God like it does us. And God sees what we can become. And in our lives, the Holy Spirit is working to gain that finish for us. We only have to say, Jesus, work on me. Name me. Call that passion out of me. I want to turn from Peter now. Turn to this second iceberg. The one that says me. And some of the moments in my life when I've learned something. There are three lines that I want to draw here straight off. Three moments of, of new understanding that took me from shallow passion for God to something that was deeper. The three lines are three phrases. The first is this. It needs to be my faith now. It needs to be my faith now. The second is, going to church isn't enough. And the third, I need to learn to feed myself. To give you some background to this, during my teenage years, my faith was nowhere. I didn't go to church. I didn't talk to God. I didn't care much for any of this. Then in my early 20s, I went through an experience where I sensed God calling me back. But I knew it must be different this time. The phrase that comes here is that it needs to be my faith now. It needs to be my faith now, not my parents' faith, not the, the preacher's faith, not a, a one-off experience of this. I needed to respond, to, to give my life to Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to keep praying it out again and again until I got it. I was thinking at that time that if God was all he claimed to be, if he was all he claimed to be, then he could cope. He could cope with my questions. He could cope with me trying to test him out. He could cope with me. And that took me to the second phrase. Going to church isn't enough. I needed to get out of the boats. Like Peter, I needed to, to take some risks to see God in action in different places. Opportunities came up, they always do, when we're committed to following Jesus. The church at the time was sending a team out to Bulgaria. I went out, I, I played saxophone in the band, I did some praying for people, did some speaking, all very nervous, all very exposed. Like Peter, occasionally I felt like I, I actually walked on the water, but mostly I sank. But Jesus reached out. He reached out and I learned something for the, the next attempts. I was failing my way to some success in this. And I realised that God can and he does change the world through his people. And that I could become a, a world changer. Maybe like Peter when Jesus called him of the rock. There was a name for me. A calling for me to, to live up to. But it wasn't going to come. It wasn't going to come within the limits of Sunday morning. And that's where the third phrase comes in. I need to learn to feed myself. 
Believing in Jesus was one thing. Getting out of the boat was another. But being obedient to the teaching of Jesus took me down again. And even before I could do that, even before I could go there, I needed to know what the teaching of Jesus was. I needed to get hold of the Bible, to read it cover to cover, immerse myself in it, question it, test it, be confused and unsettled by it, to be amazed by it. There is no other way to know God and to be obedient to his teaching than through hearing and reading the word of God. His word. We need to feed ourselves on this as hard as it sounds. That's my three lines on the iceberg. Are you you following this with the icebergs, yeah? See, these are just the headlines that I'm giving you. And I'm leaving us here to do some work for ourselves, to, to think it through, to see our own iceberg moments and to be challenged about what will take us personally deeper in our passion for God. Turning back to Peter, we left him. We left him with the words of Jesus calling him the rock still in the air. But before... Before Matthew chapter 16 is out, Peter the Rock has another new name. It came like this. Jesus is explaining that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer and to be killed. And again, Peter spoke up. He took Jesus aside. He rebuked him. He said, never, Lord, this, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus turned. And you can almost see the intensity on the face of Jesus. And he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then turning to the disciples, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We talk here about saying the the final 10%. Jesus wasn't holding back here. And with that blow, Peter must have felt winded. Going from the rock to Satan, that was a hard lesson learned. And maybe this was about obedience, about God's will, about Jesus being first and us being last. It was a line on the iceberg taking Peter down to a new depth of experience, a new depth of of passion. And then later, later on there was the, the foot washing In John 13, Jesus knew that he was into his final hours here on earth. All the disciples were there. Even Judas was there. The evening meal was being served out. And Jesus got up. He he took off his outer clothing. He he wrapped a a towel around his waist. And he poured some water into a basin. And he began to to get down and to, to wash the disciples' feet. Peter objected again. He questioned Jesus. He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? question mark and Jesus replied you do not realize now what I am doing but later later you will understand Peter still argues it out he he said no you should you should never wash my feet and Jesus answered unless I wash you you have no part with me Peter finally backed down and after Jesus explained his actions He said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. It was another line on the iceberg. Another deepening experience. Jesus is dealing with Peter's pride. He is teaching selfless service. And Peter's passion is going deeper. It's becoming more Christ-centered. Coming back to my iceberg. There's two more moments of new understanding. Two more lines and phrases here. Firstly, firstly I need to grow in the desert. And secondly, this isn't about me. There are going to be times, times in our lives when God seems like he's gone silent. He seems like he's gone distant. We talk about a desert experience. And deserts are harsh places. There's a a daily fight for, for life in the desert. But look closely and life exists. It is growing. And for us as believers, we're going to face deserts. Places where we feel it's wasted land. It's wasted life. But it isn't. Not when we're walking with Jesus. There's a quote out of Dangerous Wonder. It comes from a monk and I connect with that. It talks about the desert place when you're waiting. It says, when you're waiting, you are not doing nothing. You're doing something. You're allowing your soul to to grow up. If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. And that's the power of the desert. An awakening to God inside. And the thing that God can grow in the desert is you. Your character, your devotion, your endurance. And with that, our passion goes deeper. The second phrase, this isn't about me. That came when I realised that I was desperate, desperate to see people saved. Jesus tells stories in the Bible about lost sheep, lost coins, lost sons, lost, lost, lost. And that heaven celebrates when one of these is found. One person comes to Christ and heaven throws a party. I was challenged personally to be in a place with God and to be in a church, this church, that has a community of strength, whose faith, whose obedience to the teaching of Jesus is such that it can be pushing out. That it can be looking to save the lost. This isn't about me anymore. It's about the lost. There's two more lines, two more iceberg moments for me. Firstly, God walks with me and he talks with me. Secondly, not my will, but God's will. I'm going to draw these on, but because of time... I'm not going to do anything more on them. And feel free, if you want to, to look me out at the end and we can talk more. But now, as we head to the finish, we're going to return to Peter. Peter. Events, events have moved on. It's the run-up to where Jesus is put to death. And time and and conversations, it all seems to get all crushed up. You can sense the the pace. And Peter is at the centre of this. His character, his confusion, his panic. 
And maybe you've experienced that. Been through a, a situation where you felt like you, you're coming apart. But through it, even though you wouldn't want anyone else to experience it, you knew God was with you. God was close to you. And looking back on it, maybe now you can see it. It starts off with Jesus praying. Jesus praying. Jesus, the one person you would have thought didn't need to pray. Maybe the odd catch up now and again. But praying for his disciple, Peter. In Luke 22, verses 31 to 34, Jesus is speaking and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Peter replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. I get disturbed reading that. Satan has asked to sift Peter to test him, to see how strong he is, to see if he can break him. But then, to know that Jesus had prayed for Peter. That the Son of God was on Peter's side. You know, even if it gets desperate, Peter is going to come through this experience. And that's how it goes. Like Jesus said, Jesus is arrested and Jesus faces the threats and the, the accusations. Jesus is sentenced to death and Peter is there. At a distance, watching, listening. And when Peter is challenged about his part in it, he, he denied knowing Christ. He denied it three times and then the cock crowed. And it says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Drawing this line on Peter's... <laughs> I thought it needed some comedy there. Drawing this line on Peter's iceberg, I'm sure Peter would have felt that he was losing it. That he was faithless, denying Christ. But it was in Peter's brokenness, in his weeping, that his passion was deepening. It was getting heavy. And maybe even that sense of sinking was God doing his most important work in Peter's life. At the end of the book of John in chapter 21, Peter was back on the beach with Jesus. And Jesus dealt with all that had happened. Peter's denial was put behind them. And Jesus repeated those words, follow me for the last time. Now, Peter's iceberg went deep. His passion was, was Christ-centered and God had Peter where he wanted him. The good news about Jesus was about to set the world on fire and Peter would be the voice, he would be the, the leader of this radical faith. I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but I don't always know what God is doing when he takes us through experiences, when we encounter him and he teaches us something new, when we feel ourselves sinking or is it deepening? Is it another line, another iceberg moment? I think the answer to that, the answer to that depends on us. It depends on our faith. It depends on us remaining Christ 
centred, reaching out to him through the wind, through the waves. And if we can do that, our passion will go from being on the surface to something that is thick, something that is secure, that has weight, that has depth. It is Christ-centred passion. And that runs deep. 